This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. A group art exhibition called She Who Is Watching by Wailing Contemporary brings together the works of six international female artists from Indonesia, Turkey, Algeria, Lebanon, Iran and Germany. The show aims to explore and complicate the position of women and artists as observers and explores issues like gender, discrimination, migration, ecology. Uh, The show is on until the 30th of August at the Wailing Contemporary Gallery in Kuala Lumpur. And today on the show, we'll be speaking with two of the artists from the show. First, we have via Zoom, Aramayani from Indonesia, who is currently in Bali. How are you doing, Aramayani? Um, I'm fine, yeah. I'm uh, in a way stuck here in Bali. Yeah, most of I'm us supposed, are stuck in some way or the other, uh, I suppose. I'm supposed to actually teach this uh, summer semester in uh, Passau University in Germany. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the university is closed. So, is it rather odd or, or interesting to be presenting a group work where there are actually six of you, but none of you will actually get to meet each other or be in the same physical space for the exhibition? Yeah, it's of course it's a pity, but yeah, as we know the situation, it's uh, yeah you better stay home and work from home, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is also time uh, for um, human to become really creative, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you became involved in this particular exhibition. She who is watching. Ah, okay. So actually, I um, been invited, right? Uh, first, and then I uh, asked, yeah, what kind of exhibition is this? I mean, with this kind of situation, I sort of like would like to know. And then when um, uh, Amanda explained me about the idea, the concept, and for me, it's like, wow, that sounds great, sounds really interesting. As I believe that the uh, creative woman female voice is also very important today mm. and i think the the theme of the exhibition the idea of watching um so many mm. of us can identify with it now right because we are all in some way or another mostly just able to watch what's happening in the world yes but i also understood it as not just watching, but by watching, it means also observing. Yes, yes. And get to learn, get to understand what is actually going on. And hopefully, after one understands something, then one can also find some creative way to deal with it. Mm. Tell me about the work that you are showing in this exhibition. Yeah, okay. So this is actually not really a new work. I uh, created first this piece of work in 1997. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was also a performance to go with it. Right. If, if it is possible, but it can stand also by itself as an installation piece. 
So it's called do not prevent the fertility of the mind, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you can see also, I'm like using the um, material that has to do with female body and its function, right? Mm -hmm. I'm using on the wall uh, the, how do you call it? Uh, sanitary napkins. Sanitary napkins, that's right. Um, for uh, menstruation, right? And uh, this is becoming a symbol of fertility itself because menstruation is actually a sign that your body is still fertile and you may have your um, children still, right? So this is becoming a, a interesting symbol, but of course I also relate this not only to the body itself, you know, but also to the mind because uh, female as also like all human being, you know, has this function, yeah, mind and body. And I see it as something connected, huh? not separate from, uh, one from one to another. And this is a, an important kind of uh, symbol of awareness about our potential as human being. So although I'm using this like female kind of uh, fertility symbol, but this also about uh, fertility of the mind of humankind. Mm. Yeah? yeah, which is a huge potential that we can um, develop uh, and we can improve, you know? Mm. It's not something just like, just like that. Right. And, and I think in the ancient culture, culture, traditional culture in my country, which is also uh, connected to the culture coming from India, where the uh, knowledge about um, potential of the mind has been um, explored for thousands of years. Yeah. So this is a very uh, valuable kind of heritage that we have to keep, you know, um, preserve, but also reinterpret it within this modern context. Right. So we won't see it as something just uh, exotic, you know, but it has also function still. Mm. Now, I understand that, uh, as you mentioned, the work was first developed uh, in 1997, that it was in response to um, the, uh, the that current campaign, at, uh, not current, the campaign that was happening at that time to mm. um, to teach Indonesians about population control, I believe. And your work was a response to that. That's right. That's right. That's coming from that kind of uh, situation, right? Um, and uh, how the military regime at that time tried to control the population um, through the so-called family planning kind of program, right? Where couples only allowed to have two children. Yeah. Um, and, well, I don't really just see it as... Um, phenomena of controlling the, the the function of the body, but this is also a phenomenon of controlling the mind. 
Right. Yeah. So that, as I mentioned earlier, the basic principle, right, that mind and body should be seen as connected, not separated. Mm. Uh huh. So yeah. do you see now, um, I mean, if it was in 97, it's been more than 20 years. Um, do you still see a relevance for this work in today's world? Oh, definitely. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier, right? So the, the idea behind it and the concept of the work is um, actually has to do with some universal values, Right. So even this can be uh, connected to, to a certain time or certain context, but when you study the concept and the idea based on universal understanding and values, it can be relevant in any time, actually. Absolutely. Because it's a human kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years um, of uh, showing this work in different places, what are some of the different uh, responses or the different feedback that you've gotten about it? Um, so far, it's uh, the the response is always like almost always positive. I never get a negative response from from audience or uh, critic art critic. I think because they also understood that this piece of work is still relevant even for today's situation. For example, what we have uh, <clears throat> situation we have today, for example, right? In regards to um, pandemics, for example. Uh, this phenomena is actually um, not something new. It happened before also, although the uh, virus is maybe a little bit different, um, but this also coming from a problem that we do not really care about our environment, about our nature, even maybe in today's situation, we destroy it. Yeah? Mm. And um, nature <clears throat> will, you know, respond to it. And this is like a natural kind of a pattern. Yeah? Right. We, we should understand. And uh, this is, I think, because of this system, um, basically, um, say, global economic system that uh, more focus on um, making more and more profit without, you know, concerning about what happened to the nature, what happened to our quality of life, yeah? Yep. Then we have this problem. And mm. uh, that's why we now need to have this awareness. And I think uh, with this kind of situation, now the voice of women is very important. Mm. Why? Uh, because, you know, naturally, women has a kind of role to take care yeah, since uh, their kind of natural uh, function, usually like having the children, taking care, right? And it's, I think, in the subconscious of, of the female, that kind of strength and uh, awareness that now needs to be brought 
up, you know, <laughs> and uh, give space. So that's really interesting because um, I have also heard other female artists um, actually argue or, or say that they don't want to be known as female artists. They are just artists. So um, I'm curious as to what you think about this duality. That on the one hand, we do want to we do want to create a space for female voices in art, but on the other hand, we don't want to label people as female artists. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, when this kind of uh, differences is understood as a discrimination. Yeah, sure. I also w- will will have that attitude. No, 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 no. If you discriminate the female as like lower, has more quality, less quality, of course, I won't, you know, accept that. So, but if the context and the meaning is different, when female here is being seen as energia, yeah? and this is like, what I have uh, tried to explain earlier about uh, how important is this female kind of side. Uh, okay, I better use female energy. Uh, is the like sitting in the opposite of the male energy, the so-called male energy, and this is both part of nature. Right. Because in nature or in the way we see nature, we always see oppositional kind of power, mm-hmm. you know, like black and white, like right and wrong, good and bad. That, that's how our mind is operating, yeah? Right. But then uh, it depends also on your awareness or on your deep understanding. If you understand it deeper, you don't see it just like black and white. You understand that this power that looks oppositional is actually also connected one to another and has to support one another. Mm. Then we have a more holistic, more complete kind of life or understanding about life. What is the value of having, um, because this is quite an interesting coming together of women from different countries. We have, you know, Indonesia, Iran, Algeria, Lebanon. Um, I'm leaving out a few, I'm sure. But what is the value of seeing these different female voices being exhibited in the same space? Well, I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, they are actually, and also this is exhibited in Malaysia too. Yes. So uh, there are m- more artists coming from, say, Islamic world, right? <clears throat> and this is <clears throat> interesting because I think um, in the Islamic world, <clears throat> there is a kind of problem today because the position of women is not being seen as equal in a lot of the communities. But I don't say that this happened in all communities. For example, I come also from a a Muslim um, community in Java. My actually late father, he was an ulama. He was a a religious leader, but uh, he's not... uh, close-minded, you know. He doesn't see a woman as like unequal. 
to the men. That's why I speak up, you know? I'm not just like, okay, quiet, and then, yeah, I just accept it. Because I don't think this is also relate to to the teaching of the Islam uh, belief itself. Mm. I understood that the teaching, the basic teaching, that's what is so interesting also for me, is that in it says in in uh, in the eyes of god every everyone is equal so uh, what do you what do you think this um this phase in life um i mean you've been an artist since the 80s um you've been exhibiting since the 80s rather um, that's right. and uh, your work has evolved and changed over time as well um this particular phase this this 2020 the pandemic has it changed the way you approach art you know um has it given you new directions that you would like to explore uh yes actually um you know i'm i'm like i have a i have a tendency to be critical on my approach right on my uh, artistic uh, practice um uh, which is like maybe that's my kind of uh tendency but then at the beginning i was like uh, questioning 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 and then uh, after a while maybe in um, towards the end of 90s i realized that you know uh, this questions has to be answered and i cannot just demand other people to give the answer then i begin to start working with the community because i feel deep inside that i better answer it myself <laughs> or <Right>. my question <laughs> yeah. so since early 2000 i uh, or no not early uh, and towards the end of 90s i begin to start this uh, new approach where i begin to work with the community mm. and then with this community kind of uh, so called uh art project uh community based kind of art project then there are lots of things i discover there mm. there's a lot of um challenges for our creativity that has been uh develop until today this year i've been i've been doing uh the project uh with issue focusing on environment since years you know yes, yeah. this is not something new for me yeah but then of course the impact of the environmental problems is changing and now we have this um virus the coronavirus so then we the problem is becoming more serious because you know this virus can kill you in a short time right um then it means that we have to develop a uh, a new strategy in dealing with it so i've been working in in uh, bali with the community here 
various kind of communities from artists of uh, the so-called contemporary artist group, but also traditional artist group, and then environmental activists, social activists, and I want to connect this uh, community also to community in Yogyakarta that I have been working with for a long time. And with my kind of approach, the so-called um, interdisciplinary approach, right? Well, we do need to wrap up, but very quickly, I just wanted to ask you what you hope people who come to see your work in Malaysia will take away from it? Well, I also it's a very simple kind of hope. I hope that they will be inspired. And, you know, I used to spend like a couple of years in Malaysia uh, in 2004, 2006, I think. And working also with young artists, group of community of young artists and activists. And I introduced the kind of method where art and activism can be brought together. So I'm hoping that this kind of thing is developing further. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Armaini. Yeah, you're welcome. That was Indonesian artist Arahmayani, who is one of six international artists being featured in an exhibition called She Who Is Watching at Wailing Contemporary in Kuala Lumpur, which is on until the 30th of August. And after the break, we'll be back with another artist featured in the exhibition, Sitare Shabadzi from Iran. And you're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today we're speaking about an all-female international exhibition that is currently showing at Wailing Contemporary called She Who Is Watching. And the show features um, works by artists from Indonesia, Turkey, Algeria, Lebanon, Iran and Germany. And it's on until the 30th of August. So before the break, we spoke to artist Aramayani from Indonesia, who is one of the artists being shown in the exhibition. And now joining me via Zoom from Berlin is Setare Shabadzi, from, uh, originally from Iran, uh, now based in Germany. Thank you for joining me, Setare. Thank you very much for having me. So I think um, maybe the best place to start would be to um, ask you, what is it like to be an artist at this point in time? Uh, you know, usually for works like this, we would either have you here or there'll be a lot more interaction with the people who get to see your work. Um, all of that has changed very quickly in 2020. What is that like for you? Well, obviously, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I can I somehow cannot see it uh, disconnected from a build of a build up of many many different uh, disbalances and and little like small and big catastrophes that have been happening in the past 30 40 years that I am alive and I have witnessed. Mm. In a way, it just shows like this pandemic has been like bringing up uh, so many um, uh, wrong conditions that we have been living under in the past decades. And uh, for me, I realize also how, I mean, as much as I would have loved to be able to come to, to Malaysia, and I mean, this is the one way where I can get connect to the rest of the world and see, kind of get a better idea of how, how things work in different places I probably wouldn't come as a tourist so for me like the, my art projects are a very good 
way to connect uh, with uh, um, with colleagues and uh, other people. Mm. But um, besides of this, it's just like, I mean, it's a huge question right now how, I mean, it, everything that is happening right now is having a huge impact on everyone's lives and other professions also. Like we were just talking about one of the other artists who uh, is also participating in the show, Marwa Arsanios, who is from Beirut and who is right. uh, really like uh, drawn in in this whole catastrophe that just happened there within the past week in pandemic times where half like uh, three hospitals are damaged to an extent that they cannot you know treat people anymore so it's really like i think it's a more universal question of how can we still move and work all of us so right. uh, and in this i don't see the artists in a different place as much as everyone else mm -hmm. i think all that brings... i see is like a general very sick disbalance mm. so that connects um quite well, I think, and, and quite sadly, to the theme of this exhibition itself, um, this idea of she who is watching, this idea of artist as observer, um, specifically also the idea of um, women as observers. Um, how does this theme connect to you and the work you do? Uh, it's two different questions for me. I mean, I do identify as an observer very much. I mean, this is how I work. I I. I uh, see things, I collect notes, I collect images. It's, it's, all, it's all like a kind of everything that I see and work with goes somehow through my eyes, into my head, into my stomach and my hands. Uh, so it's also like a physical reaction to things that happen around us. And uh, yeah, how can I say? I mean, it's for me, it's like, it's like the connection that I have through my through my limbs is what how I how I see things and how I how I understand also the world that surrounds me. Mm. And what about the the woman part of it? Because that's a that's yeah, a that's complicated, think, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking about it while I was saying like how do I do I ever see myself specifically as a woman mm. observing things or not? Uh, I cannot really answer that question besides the fact that I feel like that it's incredibly important also like the, within all these very different like civil society movements that have been uh, more and more active and obvious and, and needed, much more needed, like on the streets in the past years. I think it's of course visible that there needs to be a change in uh, with how we react to things, how we, how we handle things, how we understand uh, power and uh, success and all these things. So I think like it's, uh, of course, a time where we need a much more sensitive uh, approach to handling the disasters that have that have been created by men <laughs> in the past, uh, uh, I don't know how many years. So uh, <laughs> many, many. Uh, so in a way, of course, I do, uh, yeah, I mean... But I have, I have to say, like, uh, when, uh, when I was asked to participate in the exhibition, I was asked, it's an ex it's a, it said it's an exhibition with women artists from Muslim countries. Mm. And for a second, like, my first question was, like, look, I, uh, I grew up in a family where religion con consciously never played a role in our lives. And we probably had like troubles because of this or because of different kind of political approaches, because also my parents had, had like uh, a different approach to feminism, to religion, to political uh, uh, 
activities. And so it's, of course, it's also like a kind of upbringing that never made me feel weak as a woman. You know, it was actually very, very exactly the opposite. So I was lucky, maybe I didn't have to fight against my own parents or another generation mm. in this. Uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, in between the lines, there is many struggles that we still have also like, and uh, in this, uh, yeah, in this, I feel like uh, we are going very slowly towards the better directions, I hope. But so, it's a long process. Yes, I, I think that a lot of people would agree. That actually is, is actually quite interesting because what this exhibition does, it's actually bring together six different works by six different uh, women, but with six very different experiences as well. Um, what do you think your particular work, your particular story um, gains from being shown alongside all of these works? I think this specific work that is shown there right now is uh, uh, works really well in this context because it's a very personal story. It took me many years to allow myself to work on personal material. You know, when you come from a context where politics and, and circumstances play a huge impact on private lives, most of the time you think, well, who am I to consider my own childhood? Who, why, why would this be of interest for someone else? But I think it's very, it's really important at some point it will, you know, it will, uh, I mean, it's important to allow yourself to be a private person also mm -hmm. and to have a private memory. And I started doing this work when, uh, yeah, after year, years of not dealing with family issues consciously, because also I was living in Germany, I was a migrant kid in Germany. And I was expected to function and not complain and be like functionable and successful in order to be well integrated and do things the way the German way. And uh, and it didn't really fit in the picture so well to say, yeah, but you know, it, my experience, it's something completely different. And I stand some, somewhere completely different. So for me like this, uh, it was a huge step to move consciously away from Germany and disintegrate from this context that I was squeezed to and forced to, to live. Uh, and uh, I, in different, like in Lebanon, in Egypt and in, in Iran, like when I, as a grown up, when I, when I start entered like different discourses with my friends, including uh, also our, our, some of the artists of the show, uh, it was such an eye opener in uh, being able to connect to people with having, like we, we cannot compare our, our experiences to each other because they're very different in their, in their specifications, but the general atmosphere of, of uh, having a society that is rough, having uh, like political circumstances that you have to deal with every day, Paul having like, I think like there is a different kind of eye level that connects us mm -hmm. uh, that I, don't have most of the time in Europe when I live here and spend time here. And I think like this kind of connection is incredibly valuable. And this kind of network is inc incredibly valuable in order to also uh, connect our discourses and our movements and our political activities and our social society themes with each other, because this is what gives us the power to, to speak all together while we are in very different uh, subjective contexts. Right. So in this, I think like a show like this uh, can be very powerful mm. also for other, for younger generations maybe who uh, slowly understand how, how important their, their 
uh, engagement is right now. Maybe to give some context to the work before I ask you about the work itself, if you could explain a little bit your own journey from Iran uh, to Germany now. Well, uh, yeah, very briefly, I was born a year before the revolution, before the Islamic revolution in Iran. And uh, we moved away in 1985. So I was seven years old. We moved, uh, my parents are political refugees. My fa- uh, and it happened that at some point it was safer not to be there anymore. So we ended up in Germany uh, and I went to school here. I tried my best to, to be a very good German citizen <laughs> while they wouldn't give me a German passport for 18 years. And <laughs> and uh, as soon as I had finished my, I studied here in, also in the south of Germany. As soon as I had finished my studies, I really wanted to go far. And uh, I started, I went uh, with a research residency uh, project to, to Lebanon and worked with the ar- photographic archive of the Arab Image Foundation, where I worked on f- pictures, memories of other people in a different region. So it was not really connected to my own history, but it was maybe comparable to it, or it was maybe like it had like familiar uh, details in it. And uh, some years, quite some years later, almost 10 years later, I ended up finishing this work that you see now in the show that is called Spectral Days. And uh, it came at a time where I realized when uh, that I don't have, like I remembered a lot of like political facts from the early 70s, early 80s in Iran. When I was still there, I knew like uh, what happened, the, the milestones about like the grown-ups lives, but I couldn't remember details of my childhood room. I couldn't remember the names of my childhood friends. So I had like really like all of these had, uh, all of the circumstances had put themselves uh, on top of where like a veil over like my own. So I started like a private uh, uh, little experiment of like, I went to Tehran to collect photos. We didn't, we, of course, when we moved, we didn't, we didn't bring our things with right. it. So I went to Iran to go through our old family photographs. And, uh, but it happened also on top of it, it happened to be the summer of 2009 when I started this project where the uprisings and the Green Revolution started in Iran. And it started the day I arrived there. Mm. And uh, so once more, political circumstances were like a much bigger wave than my little private personal story. So during this time, I scanned all the photographs, but it took me like two, three years to find the right approach to handle this because because it does come loaded. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not easy to find a formal way and the, and the contextual way in which you, like I didn't want to tell a, like a pitiful story of, a, of my, our lives, not at all. Uh, I just wanted to, to go through this private adventure of remembering. And the result that you see, I, I have to say I was surprised by it because it does have like a quite a, it's colorful, but it's colorful in a psychedelic way, right? It mm-hmm. has something like a melancholia in it that I myself was not aware of uh, while I was doing the work, right? So it came together as a series of 40 images now, or more than 40 images and a little artist book uh, and it's really like it tells myself like a story like about how life leaves also an impact on the way we re- remember things, mm-hmm. uh, on the way that uh, exactly memories manifest in our in our bodies also. So in this, it's uh, yeah, it's a very associative, uh, maybe like almost as I said, like a physical approach to 
to a certain feeling of a time, to a certain memory. And uh, I think this feeling maybe translates also to, to other, to ways other people uh, remember uh, the past. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it has this dreamy looking back, flashback situation in which you are not super conscious, in which you are not controlled, in which you are not functioning. You are, so it's a, it's a d- different approach to things that you, that you, that have manifested physically. Mm. I think in, as in this, it translates into moments where the private life gets overrun by circumstances, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And what was it like excavating not just those images, but those memories as well and the process of uh, reconnecting, revisiting, putting them together, but also in some ways telling a new story? You know, what, what was all of this like for you? I mean, it was exactly what I was looking for, right? Because if you spend enough time with the with with like a box of material, eventually it finds its own fictional afterlife. Mm-hmm. So it's really like uh, working on a fragmented new narrative, on a non-linear narrative. Uh, and for me, when when uh, when a private story translates into something that can be read in a bigger context, uh, it's the best thing that can happen to a work, right? So, uh, yeah, it was a very intense uh, situation. And for the, as a setup for this, I chose to not be in Iran and not be in Germany. Mm. So I was in Lebanon. I, I spent oh, a few years there. Mm. Uh, it was, for me, it was neutral grounds. While I had uh, an incredibly uh, important friends around me with whom I could share a discourse around how you work with uh, with your background, with like uh, also like wrong readings of uh, imagery, if for you know for people from the, who don't share like some similar kind of experiences and everything, and um, yeah, for me it was like a like a time in my life that had a huge impact, but also beyond like uh, this very private uh, little adventure, it was also like the place I was, which was like a place where I could finally for myself also develop a new narrative for where I belong and uh, which societies I want to be part of. Yeah. So when you make a work that, um, as you said yourself, um, that contrast between something that is viewed as political and and social versus something that is a lot more personally driven, um, is there a consideration in your mind in terms of how will this connect to the audience? What will a general audience who maybe doesn't come from that background or, or identify, what will they get from this work? Of course. I mean, I wish I was as free as not to think <laughs> that, but there is so many ways of misinterpretation and wrong understanding and landing in the wrong drawers. And, you know, of course, there is uh, that uh, inevitably of you think, about the context in which the work gets seen or understood. I take different decisions about what to show, of course, in different places. But also for this, I have to say, I don't have a strict concept. I mean, I know there are other artists who have like, are more clear about their approaches. I uh, I do work very associative and very, I mean, yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't work conceptual, but it's, it comes from a, it starts in the guts and yeah. then it wanders through the brain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, I wish we could afford not to think that. Or maybe I, at some point I grew up and, and grow over it. Mm-hmm. But and right now I still think that it's very important to consider what uh, context you show the works in. For this, I was very happy about the show in Malaysia, I have to say. I wish I could have come. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, because I haven't seen them in person. I've seen um, pictures. Uh, For a work that uh, sounds like it can be quite abstract, it's actually, it's a very solid, like when you look at it, it, it's, it's clear that it is about this idea that you explained of memory. And there are images, but they're also sort of, it feels like how I would remember something. It it feels like exactly. the, the the vision of something that you've forgotten and you've tried to recall. That I think comes across quite clearly. Uh, now, my curiosity is that you worked on this. I must say, it's been about seven years ago. I think that uh, you yeah. first showed the work. It's seven years that I first showed the work, and I worked on it for three years right. until I found the right way to handle it. Right. So, how has your how has your feelings or your um, your reaction to this work changed in this time? Now, when you look at it, does it speak differently to you? No, as a, like really like just very recently, also related to things that happened in the COVID nineteen period with the pandemic. I mean, you know. It's really, I look back to this work specifically and each time I see it, I feel like it, it speaks its own language and it still relates to many things also. Like it's for me, of course, I know every person that is on the images and the photographs are still like my family photographs. So I know who my mother is. I know who my cousin is. I know who my sister is, but it doesn't, it doesn't play a role for anyone, for anyone in the audience because it can be replaced by other, you know, uh, nevertheless, each time I looked at this very specific atmosphere of these works, I feel like, okay, really something, something nailed it. You know, it's, it's a, like there is an atmosphere in it that I still understand and it hasn't gotten old or, or uh, yeah. For me, like this is one of the most solid works I've done, I have to say. I have works that I disconnect from earlier. Mm. But this, yeah. <laughs> and what do you hope that um, the audience that sees the work takes away from it? Just an understanding that these um, hazy memories or haunting memories that we still have, you know, we all, especially maybe like as women uh, in these under kind of rough circumstances, we so many times we pull ourselves together and we think we need to be strong and no, everything is fine. I mean, for years and years and years, and I still do it, my narrative of that time is, Everything was okay. We were pri- we were privileged. We had like this. We had that. We had fun. We had like strong uh, people around us who made the best. For, you know, this, this is how I how I talk about it, right? But of course, there is something. There were feelings in between, and uh, this uh, remains. And I think it's important also to understand that uh, to look inside sometimes, every once in a while, to look inside and to also like take your feelings and your the way uh, you handle things seriously Mm. or you know otherwise it comes out as crazy mental health issues and uh physical reactions and you know all of this so it's not even i mean it's not it's not a therapeutical approach that i'm talking about it's really more of of it is okay we are allowed to be weak sometimes we're allowed to feel sad sometimes we're allowed to be angry we are allowed. we don't need like i was you know, two days ago, I was texting to my friends in Lebanon and I, at some point I said, I'm tired of sending, you know, I don't want to wish you all 
strength and power for yeah. I mean, you've been so strong and powerful for the past decades it's time for you you know i wish there would be time to to exhale and sit down and say hey it's enough i really can't handle it mm-hmm. right whereas we constantly go up like in a spiral of okay this is too much but we need to get over it and we'll finger it like what people are doing right now in lebanon they're cleaning up the streets there's a huge amazing powerful wave of solidarity going through the country and uh, and it's but it's just not fair mm. it's just like the disbalances it's, it's just not fair yeah and i think like understanding that there is people and emotions and private lives and parents and kids and you know memories that also need to have a space i mm. think this is uh, probably uh, yeah uh, a feeling that i hope everyone allows himself or herself at some point <laughs> absolutely absolutely thank you so much satari satari thank you very much amila i've very. been speaking with iranian artist satari shabazi who is one of six international artists being featured in an exhibition called she who is watching at wailing contemporary uh, the exhibition is on until the 30th of august and it features a uh, female artist from indonesia turkey algeria lebanon iran and germany So earlier on in the show we did speak to Indonesian artist Aramayani who is also exhibiting in the same show. For more information visit wailing-gallery.com. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my. or find us on iTunes BFM 89.9 the business station